This is a Crib Room podcast. Bringing you industry news, views and happenings. Welcome to the Crib Room podcast by Industry Link Media. Hello, I'm Glennie Wilson with you today and we're sitting down with Beacon Minerals. Joining us is Jeff Greenhill, who is the Executive Chairman and Graham McGarry, the Managing Director. But before we get into our podcast, a recent Beacon Minerals board update has been released and sitting across from me at the moment, Jeff Greenhill will not be seeking re-election at the 2020 AGM. Mr Greenhill's retirement will be effective at the beginning of the shareholder meeting. Graham McGarry, who steps up to the Executive Chairman role, with Alex McCulloch, appointed Managing Director of Beacon, and Rodney Johns as a non-executive director of Beacon. To start our podcast today, we talk to Jeff Greenhill, first of all, the man of the moment, about his retirement and his time with Beacon Minerals. This is a Crib Room podcast. Jeff, first of all to you, uh, congratulations on a on a great career with Beacon Minerals, first of all, because you've seen the growth from Haley's through to Geordie, and, and that's continuing to go now, mate. But you yourself, you're electing to put the feet up and enjoy a much-needed rest. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Glenn. I mean, I've been at this uh, for a long, long time now, since I was 18, so 52 years in the industry, um, through to the AGM, and then we'll hand over to Graham as the Executive Chairman. Yep. Uh, Alex McCulloch will take over as the MD, and we've managed to secure the services of Rodney Johns. Now, Rodney's an old School of Mines graduate, a uh, lot of lot of experience in the industry and uh, you know, just, just the board composition at the moment, it, it was ideal t- time for me to say that's enough and, uh, and the announcement's out today. So What we can do is talk a little bit about your career because it started oh, a couple of moons ago now. Just talk us through where you got your teeth cut into the mining industry. Um, I I started uh, back at the Arroyo gold mine. Um, oh, as soon as uh, as soon as I managed to fail my first year of metallurgy at the School of Mines, I had a, a, a scholarship and lost that. And the old man said, "Well, there's only one thing you can do now, mate. You need to go and get a job so you can keep going." So I I went through the School of Mines on a part time basically. Uh, it took me a while. Um, from there, I um, moved on down to the mineral sands industry basically got married and told my wife that the the mining game is is dynamic and from time to time we'll be moving so we did that within about four months of uh, getting married um i had eight years in the mineral sands industry i then uh, went up to the one dowie vanadium project uh, i had 12 months there um then I did a 18 month stint with McSweeney Partners, Greenbush's Tins Consultants in Perth. And uh, during that time, I always had a, a hankering to come back to Kalgoorlie. And basically, that's what I did. I came back to Cal for a two year stint in uh, 1982 and been here ever since and loved it. I love Cal, love Kalgoorlie, love the people. And uh, then, then um, I did a stint with uh, Melg Resources. Well, Graham and I were in a private business for a long time together. We did lots of things around Australia as a syndicate. There was a five-person syndicate. Um, Graham and I then um, continued basically working together. The other syndicate members, uh, one of them passed on and the other two are still in Kalgoorlie, well-known identities. And then we've just moved on um, and done all these wonderful things with um, Beacon and, and it's been great. The The only downside for me is the uh, one of the directors that commenced with us when we um, took Beacon over, 
and took control of Beacon, uh, is that that director hasn't been around to see what's actually happened with Beacon. And um, I refer to Marcus Michael, who was a fantastic guy, and uh, it's just a pity he hasn't been, been part of what's happened uh, through Hallie's and, and now Geordie. What lured you into the Beacon fold back in 2012? Well, it was a bit of an interesting story. We, we liked the um, resource numbers that were getting bandied around by Beacon. Um, bought some shares, Graham bought shares, I bought shares, and then the Beacon board decided that they were going to sell the project to Remelius. Um, well, I thought, well, that's no good for me, so I sold my shares, and Graham's attitude was completely different. That was, we should buy some more shares and see whether we can take it over, which is what happened. So we acquired some shares, uh, issued a 249 notice on the directors, um, and then the shareholders of Beacon duly elected us as a replacement board, um, and we've just moved on from there. Um, unfortunately, during the early days of um, Halley's East, we, like always, have to drill some holes to get some confidence. And while we're doing that, we found out that quite a fair bit of the uh, ore body was, in fact, refractory. So we then had a bit of an issue to deal with once we got down uh, into the fresher ore. And a lot of that ore was then broken up into various categories. Some of the ore in the uh, refractory zone was, in fact, free milling. So that was all put aside and milled separately. And all the refractory ore was put into a stockpile, carted to town, and then we went about um, finding a home for it. And it eventually ended up out at Northern Stars, uh, Canana Bell project. And uh, we managed to get rid of that, convert that into cash. And then uh, we, we, as we said in the original takeover uh, documents that we put out, that we would pay 50% of the, sharehold, uh, the, the profits back to the shareholders which is exactly what we did. So we paid a dividend, which is probably a little bit unheard of from a junior. Mm. And from there, it's been probably a, a massive ride for you, taking on things out at the, at the Geordie Gold Project and, and further establishing yourself here in the goldfields. But you, yourself, uh, Jeff, you'll be uh, departing at the end of the year. So all the very best of luck to you for the last bit of 2020. Thanks, Glenn. Geordie plant is the seventh plant that Jeff has designed, supervised the construction of and commissioned over the 34 years that we've been involved together. All of the plants have been successful. They've achieved minimum of what the design was and minimum of the recovery. So I think that should be placed on record of what he's achieved. That's been done in uh, four states, Western Australia, South Australia, the Northern Territory and Queensland. So I think that's a pretty big achievement from uh, a fella here out of Kalgoorlie. Just a couple of words on, on Greeny as a mate. Oh, well, we, we've been together a long time and uh, we have vigorous discussion from time to time. Neither of us are shrinking violets. And um, that's how you build a successful business. And, and what we want to see happen is see Beacon go on well beyond both Jeff's time and my time. And we're putting in place a succession plan, which is uh, well documented within the company records. And people like Alex McCulloch, Rodney Johns and um, Darren Gable will take take part in that uh, progress. I thought Mac had turned his phone off previously. He's just going to drop it on the floor if you heard that come through the microphone. <laughs> uh, but Greeny, just a couple of words on uh, Macca. Uh, well, what can you say about Mac? He's, uh, he's tireless. I mean, uh, anyone who tries to keep up with him despite his age uh, 
we'll be very, 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 very tired at the end of the day. Uh, Graham's been great. Um, as he says, we do have our dis- differences. But in terms of getting Beacon to where it's been, um, Graham deserves a, a huge round of applause for that. It's, he's been marvellous. And, and driving everybody as hard as he did out at Geordie to get it up and running within the time frame we did, um, that's a feather in Graham's cap. And people should be aware that he he did push extremely hard. And uh, a few, few tired people at the end of it all. Graham, we've got a fair bit to get through because there's been some announcements since our last proper podcast, in particular on the Geordie Gold Project. Uh, 6,642 ounces of gold for the June quarter. Gold sales of 6730 at an average sale price of 2510 an ounce. As of the end of the financial year, 15.36 million and 1,501 ounces on hand with a debt of 18 million. Tell us about the end of the quarter and moving into the end of the financial year. Well, the quarter ended not on a good note with production below the May and April and May figures. So um, Jeff will talk a little bit about that later on. But uh, the clays are a problem and we have to work our way through that. And we have a large stockpile of ore there to be processed. So obviously we're getting a good gold price and uh, the cash on hand and the ounces on hand uh, make... uh, uh, does illustrate the strength of the business. Jeff, just over to that May production record tonnage, however, 2,246 ounces. Just during that period as well, that May production, just describe how that trial milling of the low-grade Silcrete stockpiles went. Um, look, it was something we had to understand and uh, we, we made the decision to restrict the ore blend to two, two ore types while we did the trials and... Um, Basically, from it all, you can do a couple of uh, equations on the ore blends and come up with some grades. And then we were able to determine, or one of the consultants that was with us was able to determine that the grade was, in fact, a little bit higher than what we were attributing to the ore body, uh, into the stockpile, sorry. So we're happy that the grade was a little bit higher. But but this is purely for the the low-grade Silcrete stockpile, which we have a massive stockpile of bit of trial and error to find uh, obviously the right mix of where your production and your plant need to be yep it's uh, it's trial and error every day um, we we're currently trialing a fine a finer set of screens on the screening plant and uh, that's mainly to try and improve the throughput through the sag mill um, we we've had a consultant in who's a specialist in grinding and we're uh, following a couple of guidelines that he's put in place for us so we're doing that currently in conjunction with the obviously the finer set of screens that we're using. Also uh, during the quarter as well, Graham, the Panther Resource update was out. That was out about July 13. Has shown uh, a total of about 9,814 ounces at 1.36 grams a tonne. I suppose that's pretty much where you saw things from the information that you had before you went in there with a few drills? Yes, I mean, we did take on board the previous work and we felt that we had to do more drilling to confirm the tonnes and ounces and uh, whilst it didn't end up in an uplift in the ounces, we're very confident of the tonnes and ounces that are there and we're lodging the documents for mining uh, to take place when uh, government approval is received and when it suits our our program. In the early 90s, Coolgardie Gold had some interest in that land around there. Have you got your hands on those documents or have you gone through any of that historical data? 
Look, from occasionally when we look at a property, there is an involvement by Coolgardie Gold in that property, and uh, you know they did a lot of work throughout that Coolgardie area, and they certainly did work at Panther and Black Cat, and we've inherited some of that work. But I'm sure there'll be other areas that when we come to, there will be uh, work done by Coolgardie Gold. Uh, just looking at June production, 1,825 ounces due to the high moisture content of the clay ores. I guess it's a reset for us with the with the soil and the rock profile that's out there. Just tell us a bit more about that particular uh, rock and that, that, that clay, that soil composition that you've got to deal with out there. Yeah, Glenn, it's not something um, that's new to us. We were aware that the clays were going to be a problem, uh, that there was going to be difficulty processing it. Um, I suppose it's interesting for for the listeners to know that sometimes the moistures get up to 30% in the clays and they are quite solid in material, but the process um, pulp densities we run at are only 30%. So it it is a very, very sticky material and going up um, belts at um, fairly steep angles, we do get a bit of rollback and uh, it's caused us some grief um, more physical than anything mm-hmm. uh, in getting the material into the plant. Um, the clays from time to time don't pulp too well in the sag mill and they've caused some blockages on our discharge grates. So we've had downtime associated with that. And we we did an early reline of the sag. We did a, a great change to try and overcome some of the issues that the clays and the pegging issues we were experiencing. So that was a negative for us in June and... Uh, We've done that, and there seems to be a, a marked improvement in the mill now. With the high moisture content of the clay ores it's of, and some of the negatives that are associated, are there any positives that are associated with being able to get that out pretty quick? Um, some of the clays are very high grade, so <laughs> and we, we do have some stockpiles of high grade clay out there that are plus four grams. So, yeah, that, that, that offsets quite a few of the negatives, Glenn. Okay. So, okay, that sort of works itself out. A couple of other questions that we've got for you. Hedging and beacon are locked in until November now with a 1,000 ounces per month, guaranteed average of 2,507 Aussie an ounce. That forward estimate has increased from your initial hedging. Why are we sticking with 1,000 when you're producing over 2,000 on some instances? Is it more of a safe play and you don't want to increase it to maybe 1,500? Oh, I think that's a fair call, Glenn. It basically represents 50% of our production at the moment, 40 to 50%, and that's what the board's decided. It's not a definitive statement, but we do take on board some hedging uh, to, in part, satisfy some of our debenture holders. Debentures, also part of your June figures as well, earmarked that to October 2020 they can be repaid, which is a year earlier than what they were originally due. But there's also the opportunity in that last announcement that you had previous to the uh, the board update in regards to either paying them in full or partial. Now, uh, what sort of indication are you looking at at this particular stage? Could, could you do it, uh, you know, just get it over and done with, or was there a, that sort of stage staged approach? Very difficult to make a, a comment in the public arena on the debentures, but they do incur a, an interest charge of 12%. And uh, that's been that's well known. The earliest date we can repay is about the seventh of October, eighth of October. Uh, until we repay the debentures in whole, we cannot pay a dividend. So obviously, a target is to repay the debentures, and uh, but that will depend on what position we're in at the end of September. You're looking to further reduce your costs as well. Uh, Jeff, you spoke before about how Graham has 
you know, really pushing things out here at Geordie. I was recently out on a mine tour and uh, Graham got out of the car as we were doing the tour and actually checked to make sure that the machine wasn't idling, sitting there doing nothing. Uh, Graham, are you still in that sort of frame of mind to be able to make sure that you're getting the, the highest efficiency out of your site? Well, we're, we're constantly, uh, every business, uh, regardless whether it's mining, uh, must be looking at its costs. In mining, you can control your costs. And obviously, to some extent, you can control your production. So although our production for the quarter was 6,600 ounces at the bottom end of where we wanted to be, it still is above uh, the original estimate of 25,000 ounces per year. Okay, we've got some listener questions to throw to you as well. As always, our podcast family at the Crib Room do love to hear from both of you gents. Uh, first of all, a dividend plan and a dividend payout uh, for the years ahead. Is there one in place? Well, I think I've answered that by saying until we repay the debentures, we cannot uh, pay a dividend. That's a restriction in the debenture document. So I think that's the first milestone is to repay the, the debentures. Okay, sort of. I think you've sort of answered this next question as well. Any interest mm. in, in not paying dividends for the next two years yep, using those correct. profits? Um, extensions to the, the west-northwest of Lost Dog towards Black Cat across the road. Has anything progressed on the drilling or is it worthwhile? Yes, we've, we've just completed another drilling program out in that area and those results are still coming through and that won't be announced until the end of September quarter when we've uh, got all the data in. But we have a total of nine projects uh, in, 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 in the budget for this year, which either we own or are under option. And those uh, projects will be outlined a little bit in more detail in the quarterly report, but that, that budget has not yet been approved, but it's a proposal from Alex McCulloch. Okay. Uh, the plan for the extension of Lost Dog to the east-northeast for further drilling, uh, the recent, result, re- recent results appear to be lower grade than the Lost Dog pit. Oh, well, I can't comment specifically on that, mm-hmm. but uh, drilling out in that area and drilling on the new tenements to the southeast of Calgary is a part of the nine drilling programs that are currently in front of the board to consider. Okay. Any plans for future acquisitions? I know this one's come up a couple of times um, that are mine ready, though, which could lead to more ounces per year. We're constantly looking at acquisitions. They're not dif- they're, they're quite difficult, sorry, in this uh, environment of the gold price where it is, and there's many deals being done. All I can assure our shareholders is that we're out there amongst it uh, and we can only just uh, endeavour to get a deal across the line that is uh, beneficial to our shareholders and not necessarily to the many critics uh, that any public mining company has. I think I've spoken to you about this one. I'm not sure if it was on a podcast or not, but are there any high-grade local projects that want to use the mill or sell ore to Beacon? I think we've had three approaches from... uh, parties to uh, mill ore for them but I think it's very difficult for us the lost dog ore has a, a quite a strong margin compared to milling ore for outside parties and therefore our priority is to mill our own ore and repay our debentures and then perhaps we'll have another look at it when when that's been achieved. One for you Jeff is plans for extension or the increase in mill production on the carts? We're always striving to get more through it Glenn um, and that's part of this plan that we're currently doing by screening finer, which gives the uh, the sag mill a bit better chance to grind more tonnes. Um, we can actually convert the sag mill into a ball mill, um, and we can up uh, up the throughput by doing that. But that would more likely to be on other ores um, that we either own or or uh, were bought into us. The problem with the lost dog ore is that the finer you try and crush it, the more difficult screening the product becomes. 
and that was part of the problem when the trial parcel of that was done at one of the local custom mills. It, it was aborted because of the inability of the tertiary cones and the screening circuit to handle the clays. So it's a balance now of how fine we can screen and uh, what we actually put into the sag mill. But we are working on it and we're trying to get the tons up. Graham, tell us why there's not a use for the CAT 777 trucks on site. Well, we've had two experts advise us on the uh, of why we shouldn't use the rigid trucks in this environment, and, and, and it revolves around the wheel ends and the fact that the, particularly in panel one, we had a lot of wet ground and uh, the, the wheels tend to slip, and if one slips and the other one tries to stay still, something gives and the wheel end gives, and it's a major cost to fix the wheel end. Panel two, uh, we're not seeing the water in panel two that we saw in uh, panel one, but the clays are still ahead of us there and it'll be interesting to see. But there is a reason why you shouldn't use rigid trucks in a paleo channel. Graham and Gary, thank you very much to you both gents for joining us. That's 20 minutes, can you believe? We spent half of it talking to Greeny about his future plans and what he's been up to in the last 400 years and then a couple of phone call interruptions along the journey, which you two gentlemen in particular are very busy people to catch up with. But we do thank you for joining us here in the crib room. Jeff Greenhill, all the very best. Of luck to you. No doubt we will see you hopefully before the end of the year on another podcast, and if not, we'll create one. Yeah, thanks for that, Glenn. <laughs> and Graham and Gary as well from Beacon Minerals, thanks very much for your time today. Good. Thanks, Glenn. All the best. The Crib Room series of podcasts are produced by Industry Link Media. Subscribe to podcasts via your audio platform and via industrylinkmedia.com. This is a Crib Room podcast.